This is Tim Doyle, lead pastor of Restoration Church. Welcome to our weekly podcast featuring content from our worship celebrations at Second and Francis in beautiful, historic downtown St. Joseph, Missouri. We exist to love, lead, and launch people in their destiny in God. For notes about today's message or for more information online about Restoration Church, visit restorationstj.com. Here's today's message. You know, one thing during worship, I was just down there just grinning because I was looking at this team, and I'm just so grateful for the leadership that the Lord is raising up. And, you know, listen, yeah, go ahead. We can, we can give Jesus thanks for that. I just I, I look at this team, I look at the age of them, and I'm thinking, Lord, we are so blessed that we have a generation of young people rising up to take leadership in this house. And I'm just super grateful for that. That's one of the things that people notice about restoration is like, you've got a lot of young people. I'm like, well, that's because they're attracted to this young pastor, this young, good looking. That's it. (laughs) No, they actually make me look good is that's the thing. It kind of brings the whole house sort of like that grading on a curve thing, you know, but we value all generations and really we see everyone alive today as one generation. And I'm just so grateful that uh, it's not about how young or how old you are. It's about loving, serving, and following Jesus. And that's what makes the difference. This A quick word that I heard this morning in my spirit as we were worshiping was just sometimes you have to say, peace be still to yourself. <laughs> you know, when Jesus calmed the storm, in today's vernacular, now that the kids are gone, it would be shut up. You say shut up to the storm. Are you hearing me today? And sometimes you got to say shut up to your soul. You know, I was just singing that down down there. I was like, you know, be still my soul. Because sometimes, what's the soul made up of? Mind, will, and emotions. Sometimes you got to say shut up to your mind, your will, and your emotions. And say, I will follow Jesus. No matter what is being thrown at you, what you're bombarded with, Because there's lots of other voices to listen to. And it's kind of a Palm Sunday message, right? There were a lot of voices speaking up on Palm Sunday. And some of them looked good on the outside. But something was revealed of the real nature of what was going on on the inside. And I'm not going to preach that today. Because we have one of our young leaders who's going to do that. Again, I'm so grateful that we have up-and-coming men and women who have strength. They have the stuff and we need the stuff so as is our custom would you stand on your feet and welcome one of our elders here at restoration the man of god zachary christian doyle with the word of the day come on yeah coming in hot that's my spawn right there my spawn right where i live my life in the speaker Sorry, I love that song. Have a seat. How y'all doing today? Good. Man, I am so excited to be bringing the word this morning. Man, I feel like God's got something super good for all of us today. And um, I just wanted to start, I was, when, you know, as you probably saw, I was playing bass this morning. And um, during rehearsals, I felt like we needed to start uh, before I, I talked about anything about what I'm preaching on, which uh, I'll give you a little spoiler alert, alert is it's self-identity um, this morning. And as we think about what Jesus did um, in this week of Easter from Palm Sunday to the crucifixion to the resurrection, there's something so important that we need to remember is that Christ died for us. And that's something that being two millennia separated from that moment that I feel like our body, us as individuals, tend to forget and not truly understand the gravity of that statement is that the the Son of God died for us. And I just felt like I needed to, to start and pr- pray this out with y'all um, because, you know, this, if this is my last opportunity to speak to, um, to y'all, if this is my first, last, whatever, it doesn't matter. This needs to be spoken. I'm not saying I'm, I'm going to get booted, but it, it's the most important thing for me to say to you is that um, 
you are worth Christ dying on the yes. cross for. Right. Um, and it, it, the, today's generation and what we're talking about today comes from a place of a crisis of self-identity. And it's not just person, it's, it's in our government, it's in, it's in the church itself. Um, and we, the only way we can rectify that is by starting right here with our personal hearts. Um, and if you don't believe that this morning, that you're worth Christ dying on the cross for, you need to hear that from me, that this is the most important thing you could download today from this message. If you get anything from this message, remember that you were worth it all. That's right. You were worth Christ dying on the cross for. And, and being raised to life and sh- being shown this new life, this new purpose, this new divine destiny that God has established for your heart and your mind. Um, we're going to pray this out really quick. Um, Father, I thank you for... Lord, I just thank you for all the all the people in this body. Lord, I am in love with this church. Father, I thank you that you've raised this bride to be beautiful um, from the burnt stones, Lord. Yeah. Lord. We just don't take this moment lightly, Father. We thank you that there are hearts in this building, Lord, that don't truly see their self-value, Lord. And they don't comprehend. They can't. It's like It's like... Trying to read German when you don't understand it. it. Just they don't understand how your love can influence their hearts and their lives today, Father. So I just I just want to speak that, and we say ears open to the yes. love of Christ this morning. And and Lord, if if there's if there's um, individuals that have been walking with you for a long time that need to be reminded of this fact. I just want to say, open to those ears, Father, to the mind. Lord, let us truly understand that we are made in your image, Father. God, that you are worth it all. Um, And we don't, once we're in your kingdom, we don't have any more excuses to not walk in any other way. We love you, Lord. Thank you. In your name, amen. 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 Yeah, that's good. if, If this is your first step... If this is your first step of walking with Jesus, come talk to us afterwards. You can talk to me, Pastor Tim, Pastor Krista. Um, we also have a couple leaders, Mr. Randy right there. He's a super elder. You can talk to Randy or our prayer team. Anybody, please, anybody in leadership, we want to have a conversation with you and get the ball rolling now because now is the time for us to move forward. We can't, we can't let the gunk and the goop of life get us stuck anymore. Um, yeah, so that's good. Glad you did that. Well, today we're talking about self-identity, and I really I had that word kind of just literally refined to me about five minutes ago. I was like, oh my gosh, this is it's all fitting in the piece. Thank you, God. That I'm I'm a campaigner, and so what a campaigner means is I could really focus really hard on squirrels and be happy for about an hour. So I I need to really dial in all of my thoughts into this into this beautiful package that you can try to understand it all and not make it a squirrel powered message. My wife is going to be so happy I mentioned squirrels three times at the very beginning. Um, if you haven't met my wife Emily and my beautiful son Jeremiah, um, they are partying at uh, my in-laws church this morning and so they send you your their greetings and their love. They wish they could be there but we, we already had it figured out and she uh, she wanted to be here but you know family commitments which is so important so um, but today I just wanted to start off by saying um, that as we are identifying ourselves we've we've reestablished ourselves in the church today with Restoration Church and as a personal testimony to to that um, my my dad your pastor, my dad, I, he wears two hats for me. It's pretty cool. So, um, and, he, and he also gets the boss hat on. Um, so he's, he's like triple build when you see him walk, when we're talking. And we kind of have to go, eh, eh, eh. But anyways, so. Um, 
I I just I'm so ridiculously thankful for the man that's leading this church, um, not just from a pastoral position, but as a father position in my life. Um, having a little dude of my own for the past year, he just turned one last week, and it's been yeah, I just love him. He's he's super chunky and he's super great, and he's um, he takes after his dad, so it's good. Um, I've been so thankful um, to have Jeremiah in my life, and it's really just, it's made me think and reflect on not only um, just the love of God as a father, but my my heavenly, my earthly father's love for me. And as you've, if you've spent any amount of time in this church and you've heard Pastor's story of how he had to step from. from abuse in his family and step out and and draw a line from all of the generational muck and disease and abuse and neglect and addiction. He drew that line for me and having it, especially now, I, I, I think I had an understanding, um, but it really got dialed in and focused for me when I saw Jeremiah and I saw the decisions my dad made 30 years ago. It's going to influence Jeremiah's life for, you know, however long, for centuries, you know, because it's going to, you know, I, it's a generational thing. And a couple of weeks ago, we were sitting in um, our elder, elders meeting and our leadership meeting. And we had this conversation, and I had this just this download, this correlation between what my father did and what my pastor has done for this church, um, because it was not an easy move coming to restoration five years ago. In fact, it was it was. Um, if you weren't, if you're not a campaigner, you probably looked at this building and just saw the dirt and the muck and the literal shelves that were just scattered all over here, the forklifts that were planted here, that you know the wall, the driveway, the driving system for the forklift to go through, and you just smelled the mold and the allergies, and you say, "Oh my God, how are we going to make this a habitable space?" And we're still working on it. You know, we're we're praying for some air conditioning to be um, installed for the summer. We got the plans to make it right, but it's it's taken some heavy lifting over these last five years. And really, from where what that started, and I don't want to get too big on this, but our church as a body had to take a step out from from generations of just not good ideas and not good mentalities and it's not about the people that we we had to separate from but it's about where we're going we had to make a choice as a body to say that the body is more important people are more important than anything else and we're here to restore our community and it's a generational thing because we're not talking about for my we're not even talking about my you know because I'm all the 28 almost 29 you know I'm feeling feeling 30 closer closely creeping every day um, but it's not even it's not even about Jeremiah's my son's generation it's talk we're talking about how are we going to make this body live longer than any business that this could be a lighthouse for St. Joseph, Missouri for generations because I'm tired of of reading history books and seeing how the church has divided and divided and divided you know we started it from a great place in the apostles and as as we started to be influenced by the Roman government, and I don't want to turn this into a history lesson, but it's it's just been seasons and seasons and um, confusing conflicts and splitting up, and it's just not been very pretty, folks. And what I'm most excited about what God's doing in today's day and age is providing a clean slate for the body to stand up and truly be recognized as the beautiful bride that it is. Um, because I I just don't think there's any other way that people can see Christ. Um, it's not going to be, it's not about the worship music anymore. It's not about a having an evangelistic, super fire-breathing pastor anymore. Um, though you need those, and there's important places for it. There's, there's, that's, that's the good part of the body. 
But it takes a whole vast array and network of people that are living out this dream of the church and being active and seeing miracles coming. Because that's really the only way that people are going to we're going to look at the body and see, look at the church and see something that's better than than society is that we're we have an amazing testimony and we have miracles coming that are supernatural um, that could only have been rendered um, by something that we can't understand. Um, yeah, Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah. So today I wanted to I wanted to talk about. How for the last 2,000 years, the our enemy is used um, has used the same old tricks to confuse us, and it's nothing. He he is he's an idiot. Sorry, kids. <laughs> he's stupid, and I'm sick of it because um, because we've been lied to for too long. And it's just, it's not worth the time anymore to, to let him play around his little puddle of crap, feces, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. Um, it's not worth it anymore. And you're worth more. You're worth more than us muddling around. Because there's only, there's only one way that we can go, and that's up when we follow God. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna kind of dispel the three big tactics um, that the enemy's been using since Palm Sunday two thousand and some years ago. Here, this is how I'm tying it back into Palm Sunday, y'all. So it's gonna be slick. It's gonna be dope. It's gonna be good. But it's so true, and I I just I just. So thankful that God's much, 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 much smarter than I am, um, because only He could have put this together. Um, so today we're going to talk about how we can be, how we can be confused. You know how, how this is. This is going to be a message for everybody. To I want my goal is for everybody to be able to reflect and see themselves in one of these and be able to respond. And because we all have further steps to take, whether this is your first step, whether you just said yes to Jesus about 20 minutes ago, or whatever, five minutes ago, I'm not good with time, um, or you've been following Jesus for 25 years, there's always going to be more steps that we could be taking with Jesus to have a bigger, better life. Um, because we're not there yet, and we're always going to be, we're never perfect, but man, we're working on it when we follow our Father. Um, so what is it going to take? What's it going to take for us to be able to step out and truly see the love of our Father and just have them in focus. And these three things that we're talking about today, I see them almost as focusing lenses. As how you get, how a telescope, you know, if you look at a telescope, the really, really good ones, not the cheapos, are made up of many different pieces of glass that focus light and focus it into a much stronger, stronger, more um, defined image. Whether you're looking at the moon or whether you're looking at a germ, it's the same concept. Um, and... God has established these lenses for us to be able to see Him in a clear place. But today what we're doing and what, what we all fall prey to when we listen and when we fall into the same pit, pit holes and pitfalls um, is that these lenses get out of order and we, we start not being able to see a clear image of God and we start seeing some, even some distortions or, um, or maybe we're just pointing the, the telescope the wrong way. <laughs> we might be trying to look at the moon, you know, and be seeing, like, man, this looks great. Oh, God, there you are. <laughs> um, yeah, that was better in my mind than, sorry. Here's another part of my personality is I think everything's hilarious in my brain that I say. So you got to forgive me if I laugh at myself. Firstborn syndrome was what my mother said. So it's definitely true. Um, but this kind of ties into, I had a dream about three weeks ago. And I don't typically get the super stellar, oh, dreams. And I wouldn't even say it's a, oh, dream. But it was, it was a dream that God continued to speak to me. And he revealed more things that applied to this message this morning. And the dream was, um, 
if now I'll give you a little preface. Typically, if you see me on a, any given Sunday around here, I'm typically running around doing some nuts um, because that's how I roll. Is I'm a little nuts, and I'm there's a good chance that I'm probably the last person out of the building, um, locking the door and making sure everything's safe for the coming days. And in this dream, I was the last person out of the building. I was sitting in this empty room. We just had a great church service, and. There was three students um, sitting in the middle of the floor, right, right behind the sound booth. And they were looking for God in this tiny smartphone. Um, and it doesn't, smartphone doesn't matter. And the way I see this in, as, I'm, as, I'm, as I'm drawing and pulling conclusions and formulating this message, I realized that the smartphone, you know, it can be, if you're trying to, did I bring my phone? No, I didn't. Can I have my phone? I meant this for, thank you, pastor, or dad, whatever. <laughs> whatever hat that was just then, I don't know. So if you try to look at, if you try to use your camera on your phone to see where you're going, you have this very tiny, limited viewpoint so that if I was just focusing in on this... I can't see where I'm going, really. I'm going to be tripping because I can't see the bottom here and I can't see the top. And it's a very narrow viewpoint. And that's how these students were looking into this phone. And they were trying to find, they were trying to find hope in Restoration Church. They were, what they were literally doing was looking on our website, trying to find, super sad, like trying to find a place where they can reach out and touch church and touch God. And they were trying to use this website when they were sitting in this building. And and I'm I'm also the communications director here. So I, I manage the website. So I love websites. I love techie things. I love nerdy stuff. Um, it's all good, and it's all tools to help people get in here and hear Jesus and speak to Jesus and um, develop a relationship. But it was just a, it was just a, oh my, oh my goodness moment for me because they were sitting looking at this website when they were literally surrounded by the building of the church, and they were desperate. They were on the verge of crying out for, for help. And you could just see it in their clothes. You could see on their faces that they were they needed help so desperately. And in this dream, I I wanted to help, but the way it worked out, it was I had to I had to leave from the building, and I had to get in my car and drive home just before I can even figure out how to help them out. So I had to leave them with the door locked, sitting on the curb as I was driving away, and I started weeping in the dream. And I woke up weeping, and it just it really affected me in that moment, in that, that morning, because I was just thinking about it. And, you know, I'm also a leader here for the youth group. And it was right before we went on our big CIY amazing conference where the, our kids got um, spoken into by these amazing worship leaders and speakers and um, had a really great experience. And I was, I was like, when I first got the download, I thought that it was about our youth. And what I realized, I, I always, I think if, ten, if God ever tends to, if God ever shows something about somebody to you, it's typically he's trying to show you something about yourself, um, whether it's something to improve on um, or whatever. But he... He showed it to me that this is what they're doing is, is something that I need to. How am I focusing in too close? And how am I not letting God speak to me and not letting my side truly see what God's trying to do in my life today? Where am I focusing in using this lens incorrectly? And how can I take it away and see everything once again? And this is. This is where we're going to open up to. I should have told you where to go first. You can use it's it's uh, Palm Sunday, y'all. Um, John twelve. Please turn to John twelve. Um, it's going to be so good, but um, it, it it's just again, it's just we need to figure out and we need to even define what's in front of our faces and how are we misusing it um, before we can correct that and how are we going to correct it. And today we're going to talk about the three types of people, the three different lenses that we're 
shuffling in the three applications on how we can change that in our in our own walks. So, y'all, there's going to be three, three, and three. I'm so pumped. I love, love threes. It's great. It's a holy number, y'all. So, all right, let's let's start with um, the Palm Sunday and just a little bit of preface. Palm Sunday, as I was reading it and trying to get a little more context, rereading it, um, I realized that this is the height, this is the plateau, this is the crescendo to Jesus's three-year ministry. Um, as people were starting to gather for Passover, there was literally nations coming together, um, traveling to celebrate Passover. And we'll just dive in. I don't want to give any spoilers. Okay, so let's do it. Um, so John 12, verse 9. When the word got out that Jesus was not far from Jerusalem, a large crowd came out to see him. And they also wanted to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. This prompted the chief priests to seal their plans to do away with both Jesus and Lazarus. For his miracle testimony was incontrovertible. Hey, that's a great word. Um, Incontrovertible. There you go. And was persuading many of the Jews living in Jerusalem to believe in Jesus. So you can already see right there that as people are gathering around, they're hearing this amazing testimony of Lazarus and the, his um, coming out and coming out of death and back into life, the physical, not a zombie, you know, because he doesn't stink anymore, but he came up and it was just an incredible miracle and people were getting psyched out of their minds to meet Jesus at this point. And this is where the leaders, the rulers were coming and saying, we got to nick this in the butt right now. So this is literally the start of this whole Easter week is in that revelation. I thought that was really, it hadn't really struck me in that way until I just read it a couple weeks ago. Um, Verse 12. The next day, the news that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem swept through the massive crowd gathered for the feast. So they took palm branches and went out to meet him. Everyone was shouting, Lord, be our Savior. Blessed is the one who comes to, send, comes to us sent from Jehovah, God, the King of Israel. 14. Then Jesus found a young donkey and rode it on, and rode on it to fulfill what was prophesied. People of Zion have no fear. Look, it's your king coming to you, riding on a young donkey. 16. Now Jesus' disciples dis- didn't fully understand the importance of what was taking place. But after he was raised and exalted into glory, they understood how Jesus fulfilled all of the prophecies in the scripture that were written about him. It's just, it's just so incredible. Um, we did this study in a small group a couple of years ago on how many, law, how many prophecies were, were written hundreds of years before about how um, Jesus was going to be coming and how the Messiah would be crucified and raised back to life. It's just, it's really incredible when you start seeing the ties of, of these men who wrote the Bible at different points and how they all came together in, in this beautiful tapestry of, of just written work and just, oh, it's, it's good. It's so good. I love the Bible. It's good. I love the Bible. Anyways, um, what first am I on? 16. Thank you, campaigner. Now, Jesus' disciples didn't fully understand the importance of what was taking place. But after he was raised and exalted into glory, they understood how Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies in the scripture that were written about him. 17. All the eyewitnesses of the miracle Jesus performed when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead kept spreading the news about Jesus to everyone. The news of this miracle of resurrection caused the crowds to swell as great numbers of people welcomed him into the city with joy. But the Pharisees were disturbed by this and said to each other, We won't be able to stop this. The whole world is going to run after him. Hmm. We're going to skip a little ways. Um, but again, this is just this is the the start of the Easter story. As the Pharisees are seeing, I mean, they got to put, they got to get this, they got to finish this soon. Um, verse seven, or thirty-seven. So skipping thirty-seven. Even with the overwhelming evidence of all, 
the many signs and wonders that Jesus had performed in front of them, his critics still refused to believe. This fulfilled the prophecy given by Isaiah. Lord, who has believed our message? Who has seen the unveiling of your great power? And the people were not able to believe. For Isaiah also prophesied that God has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts to the truth. So with their eyes and hearts closed, they cannot see closed, they cannot understand the truth, nor turn to me so that I could instantly cleanse and heal them. Verse 41. Isaiah said these things because he had seen and experienced the splendor of Jesus and prophesied about it. Yet there were many Jewish leaders who believed in Jesus, but because they feared the Pharisees, they kept it secret. So they wouldn't be ostracized by the assembly of the Jews, for they loved the glory that men could give them rather than the glory that came from God. So let's talk about the people that were confused at this time. There's three, there's three types of people um, that, I wanna, that was spoken in the passage that I want to allude to us today. Um, the first was the... I call it the enraged body. The average Joe's reading the wrong headlines about Jesus. And this is where the fear of God starts to rise within me because I start thinking about what Facebook headline I wrote yet I read yesterday. You know, seeing what my friends are posting, what I allow myself to get angry about. Um this is still a tactic being used 2,000 years ago. It's still being used today um, of people being confused by what others are saying, what literal, you know, what the words being spread and, and fighting about it and, and coming to this place of animosity. Um, it's, it's, it's just scary. It's, it's, it's scary that it's still being activated today. Um, number two is the fearful priest, those who believed in Jesus yet feared the Pharisees. There were there were priests, there were teachers, they were the educated, they were supposed to be the ones that were leading the population. And they had the download. They had the they understood who Jesus was and yet they let norms Confuse them. They let positions take over their decisions, and I think for me, this is this is something that can be. I'm in my in my marriage counseling when Emily and I got married. Um, what the the pastor that married us he brought in counseling was that I'm a peacekeeper, and I don't want to I don't want to ruffle if it's. If it's going to ruffle the town, I'd rather not bring up my opinion. I'd rather just have everybody okay, be okay with it, even if it's wrong. And it, that's my shortcoming, and I learned really quick on how to correct that in my marriage, because <laughs> my wife needs me to shoot straight about everything. Um, but it's, it applies into the real world, um, yeah, especially if you're in a leading, if you're in a leader position, um, because sometimes. Um, comfortableness even feels too good. Like you do, you got this really nice spot. Maybe it's at your business where um, maybe you're a vice president of a company or um, whatever, whatever role. Anybody's a leader. If you, if you, uh, if you've been breathing, there's a good chance you're leading somebody. Um, and we tend to like to settle. We tend to like to find a good cushy place and sit down and enjoy it for a little while. Even if there's something wrong with it. We'll just live with it for a little while. Um, but these priests in this passage, in this moment, their comfortableness led them astray about who Christ was and led them on the path of saying, crucify him in a week's time. Wait, the, and the third, the third group is, I call them the hoarding rulers. Hoarding. Those who heard Jesus' message as a threat to their notoriety. Um, it's the fat cats, y'all. It's <laughs> if, if you got a lot of stuff and you see something, you see something that's going to um, take away from your, your fat stack, um, 
you're going to try and fight it, right? Because it's your money. It's your stuff. Maybe it's your power. Maybe it's your influence that's um, intimidating. It's You're being intimid- intimidated by somebody else trying to take it. Um, so these are the three the three types of people. The people that are being enraged by society. Um, the fearful priests. Um, worried about their position, about their status, and the hoarding rulers who are worried about their power. Um, yeah. And this is where I draw similarities between yesterday's society and today's society. Anger in the headlines, status quo keepers, Christianity naysaying leaders, these are the confused and the lost. And if we skip, if we skip um, a few days... Uh, what were they saying and falling prey to? Um, let's skip over to John 18. See, this is where this is where they got led to by these allowing these to live in their hearts. Um, let's start with verse 29. So Pilate came outside where they waited and asked them pointedly, "Tell me." What exactly is the accusation that you bring against this man, Jesus? What has he done? And I guess I should say I'm assuming you understand the Easter story. Um, at this point, um, Jesus, is he's finished his ministry. He gave his last sermon. Um, he walked with his, his disciples up to this point. They were in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, he was betrayed by Judas. Jesus was arrested. Um, by the Jewish leaders and brought to Pilate. When, if you don't understand who Pilate is, Pilate is he was the they're the conquering they're the conquering nation of Rome um, when they had conquered Israel. And Pilate is the I'll, I'll call him the governor, the leader of the of the area. So they were bringing him to Pilate. So back to verse thirty, they answered, "Why wouldn't we?" Why, we wouldn't be coming here to hand over this quote-unquote criminal to you if he wasn't guilty of some wrongdoing. Verse 31, Pilate said, Very well, then you take him yourselves and go pass judgment on him according to your Jewish laws. But the Jewish leaders complained and said, We don't have legal authority to put anyone to death. You should have him crucified. Six. You take him then and nail him to a cross yourselves. I told you, he's not guilty. I find no reason to condemn him. The Jewish leader shouted back, But we have the law. And according to our law, he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. We're going to skip to verse 12. From then on, Pilate tried to find a way out of the situation and to set him free. But the Jewish authorities shouted him down. If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself is an en- or declares himself a king is an enemy of the emperor. So these are the three lenses I want to bring, the filters um, that are being used... In, in these passages of scriptures, and they're still being used today. So just I just keep an open open mind to this. That first is society, um, labels, social norms, culture. You see, in verse thirty, if you go back, they they call Jesus a criminal. Uh, verse thirty of eighteen, they call him a criminal, and. These are the attitudes that when you allow yourself to not see, um, when, you, when you don't allow yourself to see the true value in other people, that's when you start to label people a criminal or your enemy, whatever you want to slap on it. Um, this is a hard lesson to learn, y'all. Um, one of the most important apostles in, in the New Testament was a literal killer of Christians and Jewish people and are not Jewish people, Christians. And um, he was basically a terrorist. The Apostle Paul was essentially a terrorist before he um, was brought to Jesus and literally blinded um, by the power of Jesus and spoken to and changed his life, did a 180 degree turn from where he was to where he was going. 
And this is what this is one of my personal things of of how do how do I continue to see the light in somebody else? How do I continue to see value in that person? Because that's so important. Every life is so important, and God has created them for a purpose and a destiny, no matter their size. You get what I'm saying there? Yeah. Whether they haven't been born yet, they have a destiny and a purpose. And and even if they if they've killed somebody, if they've been imprisoned, if they've been called a criminal by our government system, we still have the destiny, we still have the mandate to see the light of Christ in them. Because they have a destiny and they have something bigger and better to do. And that's what our whole church is, is about, man, is, is about seeing a burnt stone and being able to pull it up and be able to use it once again to its full potential. Um, because it, God did it for me, so I can't I can't say anything about anybody else. Um, I don't. I literally, I can't afford to have that opinion. I just can't do it. So society, labels, norms, culture. Um, second way is they try to use the law against them. I'll repeat. Um, I'm going to repeat verse seven. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. If I can get back to it. There you go. There. So seven of, uh, verse 7 and 19. And the Jewish leaders shouted back, But we have the law, and according to our law, he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. And this is where, this is where in my mind, it can be, get a little tricky, um, especially having been in the church my whole life. Um, we tend to let traditions take advantage of us and take advantage of how we do church. And it doesn't, it's not just the church people. It's, it's how we do life. There's just some, there's some things that we need to kick, kick to the curb, um, that are, that are just not good anymore and are not living and breathing and active today. Um, and, but again, it's like, Bless, bless the church that we were a part of 15 years ago. It, when you had the vote on carpet, that's just carpet color. That's just a little screwy to me. Like, you know, I get it. I see the value, and they're they're from where that started. They were trying to give, they were trying to give a f- piece of you know slice of fairness to everybody. Um, but man, fairness can be overrated sometimes. Um, Especially when you when you have somewhere to go, when when God's given you a strict mandate and only God can accomplish your mission, yeah. you can't get you can't get stuck in the mundane things. Um, it, you gotta you gotta it has a place. And I want to say this: all three things, society and law, they are very important to how we live life. I'm not being an anarchist today and saying these things don't have a place, but you got to find the right place. They can't be, It's again, it's the lenses, the focusing lenses. You know, one's going to be larger, one's going to be smaller, and it depends on the order. you got to make sure that these things are in the right order in your life, or else they're going to take over and they're going to distort and confuse your image of God and of other people. So I just want to say that before I get called an anarchist and I don't, I don't have a tattoo of the upside down A or whatever. Um, but so law. Um, and I'd, I just, one of the interesting things that happened to the Jewish people um, after the book of the, the books of the prophets were finished being written um, between that period and the, the period of the New Testament, there's this gap of, of um, hundreds of years where there wasn't, there wasn't any books being written, but there was a whole lot of laws being written by the Pharisees that were just like, oh, they're just ugly. They're, I mean, they were just kind of pointless. Red tape, red tape rules is basically what they were. And... Um, you know, that's. I'm very grateful to live in the light of Jesus, where He gave us two commandments: um, to love Him first and to love others. Um, so the third way is government. We'll read verse twelve. How are you doing? Good. 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 No, I'm fine. Thank you. Thanks, mom. Um. So verse 12, the next day, the news that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem swept through the massive crowd. 
No, wait. Did I? I went way too far back. Sorry. Squirrel brain, squirrel brain. Okay. Nine, chapter 19, verse 12. From then on, Pilate tried to find a way out of the situation and to set him free. But the Jewish authorities shouted him down. If you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. And this is... So government, Caesar, was the commanding ruler at the time um, over the Roman people. And it, this is what really confuses me because Rome wasn't, they weren't really nice to the Jewish people. And yet they're trying to take advantage of the government structure to get what they wanted. Yeah. Um, just a little icky to me if you think about it. And we, tend, we, can, we can do the same in our American government, y'all. And it's, it can be, it's so important to support and to vote, you know, and Jesus said, give Caesar what Caesar's when it came to taxation. And that's how I apply. That's, that's kind of the rule of thumb for me that I apply to everything when it comes to, you know, you pay your taxes, you vote, you're active, you be a part, you be a voice in the system, but you can't let it control you. It, yeah. it can't be the biggest focusing lens in your telescope. Because um, otherwise you're going to start seeing, you're going to start seeing left and right, and that's the only thing you're going to see in people is if you vote a Democrat, man, you're crazy. Or if you're a Republican, man, you're crazy. That's not how life works, y'all. And it's just... And frankly, the American government, the United States of America's only been around for 250 years. Um, we're talking about thousands and thousands of years of different governments coming and going and dying, living, breathing, taking over, controlling. It's just not worth it to have that be the biggest focus in your life. Um, it's important. We need society. We need law. We need government. But we need it in the proper place. Um, so, yeah. This is important, and I really feel like I want to say this. All three of these, for me personally, I'm taking away. I'm preaching to myself today, um, and I'm just really honestly just hoping that you, you can take away and, and find something that you can work on. Um, so in closing, um, I, just want to take, I just want to take a moment and just have us all just consider what we've talked about, especially as we... Um, Start to gear up for for Easter, um, for what you know, the narrative of what happened over this next week. Um, it, if I start thinking about it too much, it just it really gets it gets to me because you know Jesus came to be my best friend and he died on a cross for me. And the, one of the most violent ways to be killed is a crucifixion. And if you've seen The Passion, it's only just a, the movie, The Passion of the Christ. It's just literally an ounce. Um, it's the R-rating version. There's another, there's a reality rating that would be even worse. Um, and this is, this is your opportunity to take this week and reflect on the love of our Savior love of Christ and check ourselves and make sure that we are operating with the right telescope lenses aligned so that we can see Christ and we can see Christ and other people of who people are called to be. Um, Mr. Matt, if you want to come, team, come back up. Um, so let's talk about it. If you feel like whether you're a part of society, whether you're or whether you feel like you, you lean too heavy on society, whether you lean too heavy on, on rules, or whether you lean too heavy on the government systems, there's three applications that we can, we can focus in and turn to. And the first, if you feel like, if you feel like you're, getting, you're trapped in society, you need to go talk to your coach. Go talk to your lead pastor um, or any spiritual authority. Um, but I'm saying lead pastor because he's... He's the smartest of the bunch, so he, might, he wouldn't say that. But, but he's got, he's, seriously, he has a mandate. He has a spiritual mandate, a God-given mandate to, to look and make sure that you're being raised, raised in the light of Christ and making sure that you're on your path. So your pastor has your, your um, 
He's got your future in mind when he talks to you. And he, he you give him you give him authority to speak the heavy stuff in, into his heart. Um, so, um, yeah, I'd encourage you if you if you feel like if you feel like you get um, have to post angry Facebook things every once in a while or whatever. Um, I, I would challenge you to have a conversation with your pastor and say, this is what I need to work on. Um, if you find yourself tripping from extra biblical laws, um, just the, the funny traditions, whatever, um, I, I would challenge you to go back to the Word of God and really and look and start even start with the Easter story and, and just see how the church was born in this week and how just incredible um, the challenge and the mission of the of the church of God is. Um, I just challenge you to go there. And the third is if you find yourself picking political sides. Um, you need to pick God first and forget the polls um, because God God has established the only government system that's going to last into eternity um, and again it's it's just a focusing thing I'm not telling you to rebel against any government system but to be a proactive um, be a proactive as proactive activist in the kingdom of God. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I learned from traveling internationally, being a part of international missions, is I've, I've realized how when you're in when you're in the body of Christ, no matter what nation you're in, you all speak the same language, even though you don't. Um, I have friends in Finland that I got to spend seven weeks in Finland, and I was just amazed at how quick these people became my best friends in a matter of weeks. Because and it wasn't because of you know like trends or anything. It was, it was because we were all loving Jesus at the same moment, you know, and we were all fighting together for the same cause. And when you realize that you're in the kingdom of God first. Um, it honestly just makes your world a much better place, y'all. You find way more friends. So, so um, I asked the team to play a little bit. And we just want to take a few minutes and just give you guys an opportunity to pray. Um, prayer team, if you want to step up and if you need somebody to pray with, our prayer team is going to be here for you. They want to go to war with you. I mean, for you. I'm going to fight with you. So I'm going to pray. Lord, we just thank you, God. I just thank you so much for just your sacrifice, Father. It's it's literally impossible for me to truly speak the gravity and the importance of this Easter week, Father, what you did two thousand over 2,000 years ago, Lord, that you chose to die on a cross for me. You chose to make me your friend. Thanks for listening today. We'd love to have you visit us in person at 2nd and Francis at our 10 a.m. Sunday morning celebration. To support this online ministry or to get more information about Restoration Church, visit restorationstj.com. Thanks again for listening.